Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us today. We're in a series called Deep Church. Just as there is a deep state, a government within the government of most countries, there is within Christianity what I would term deep church. Deep church is a big problem. (laughs) It's always been here, even from the early years of the church, and is certainly still with us. The title of this episode is Bad Fellas 2.0. It's actually part two of a of an episode I started in the last one, Bad Fellas. We're in the book of Jude, and we're going to go in a few minutes in the epistle of Jude to verses 14 to 19. One of the points that I would like to make here before we dive in is that it is clear from reading this far in the letter of Jude that beliefs matter. Beliefs can tell us whether somebody is is oriented toward the, the sound teaching of the word or false teaching. And that's certainly true of these false teachers, these bad fellows that we're seeing here in Jude. But one other point I want to make is sometimes people who are leading people in the wrong direction can actually believe what appears to be the right thing. They may even believe the right thing, but it's their behavior that's the tell. Their behavior is the giveaway. And it's interesting to me, I was just thinking about all of this, that the Lord inspired Jude when he wrote his letter to not only emphasize their beliefs, but he, he puts a major emphasis on their behavior. So it's not just what somebody says or teaches, it's how they live. And all of this plays into undermining truth within the true Christian church. I heard recently in preparing for this episode today that the Archbishop of Canterbury, which is the, the Archbishop of the Church of England, is solidly behind implementing or allowing Sharia law in England. Now, I don't know all the details about that, but I, I do know this. The Archbishop of Canterbury, as the head of the Church of England, should be standing for historic Christian truth, not worrying about Sharia law. And that is an example. Now, I'm no fan of the Church of England, (laughs) but I'm just saying that historically they are oriented toward the Christian faith. But when you have the, the top ecclesiastical leader of the Church of England advocating for Sharia law, That's just an example of how far we've fallen, how much we've slipped. And as you think about the beliefs and the behavior of false teachers that Jude is talking about here in his letter, you will think about it in these terms. They are the exact opposite of the called, the sanctified, and uh, the preserved that he talks about early in that letter, which is 
true Christian believers. All right, now, let me give you a little background before we get into our study today. It's, it actually will help you as we look at this. In just a, a minute or two, we're going to hear Jude cite something, quote something that Enoch said. And I need to help you understand who Enoch is. Enoch was not a, a writer of a Bible book. His, his book, the book of Enoch, was not considered a scriptural book of the Old Testament. And yet it was held in very high regard by not only Jewish leadership, but also Christian leadership because of what you're going to see here in just a moment. And he, he apparently, well, I say he was used by God to prophesy that judgment was coming on the world. But let me let Scripture tell you who Enoch was. And you don't have to turn here. Just write the passage down and you can read it later. But I've already got it right here. In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis 5, verses 18 to 29, I want you to listen to who Enoch was and the times in which he lived. In other words, where he was positioned in history. And it relates to the book of Jude. Genesis 5, starting in verse 18, And Jared lived in hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived an hundred eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred eighty and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. And Lamech lived an hundred eighty and two years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And then uh, one other passage relating to Enoch is in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 5. Hebrews eleven five, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, of righteousness, heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So that was Hebrews 11, verses 5 through 7. All right, now, what, what are we going to see here? Well, we're going to read about this great leader in the Bible who lived so well with the Lord, walked so closely with the Lord, that the Lord raptured him. Like it says in Hebrews, he did not see death. All the other people in in Genesis 5, uh, he he was born, begat so-and-so, and he died, and then he begat so-and-so, and he died. Enoch is the shocking exception to that. He never died because God raptured him living into heaven. But Enoch warned of judgment to come. And his son, Methuselah, also walked with him. And Methuselah's name, one of the, one of the interpretations, and there are various interpretations of Methuselah's name in Hebrew, but I believe this one is probably correct because of the context. Methuselah's name, the son of Enoch's name was, when he dies, it shall come. What, what does that refer to? Well, in the, in the year that Methuselah died, in that same year, the flood that Noah had warned about and Enoch, I believe, warned about that judgment was coming. He may not have known it would be a flood, but Noah did know. In the same year that Methuselah died, God's judgment in the flood fell on the earth. Now, I want you to bear that in mind as we go back to the book of Jude, and let's go to verse 14. And by the way, before I read verse 14, I want you to know that I went back to Genesis 5 and I counted the people from Adam and this writer, Jude, has Enoch exactly, correctly where he appears in Genesis. All right, let's read here in Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these now, who is the these that he prophesied of? Well, these false teachers with their false beliefs and false living. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage." 
But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So let's, let's begin to break this down. Bad Fellows 2.0, a, a continuation of the episode last week, which we started. So we see Enoch here. And I want to stress to you as, as intensely as I can that if you are a believer in Christ, you should never surrender the historicity of the book of Genesis or the entire Bible for that matter. Adam was really created by God. Eve was really created by God. Enoch literally existed. The flood actually came. There really was a Noah and there was an actual ark that Noah and his family went into. So Genesis the Old Testament and the New Testament are accurate historically. But of course, they're, they transcend just history. And of course, there's great scriptural truth in the Bible as well. But at the very start, you must know that when Jude quotes Enoch, Enoch was an actual person who actually lived. He did not die as everyone else had and would, but he was raptured before the judgment fell upon the earth. And of course, Noah was real, and Noah was saved out of the flood, did not die in the flood when judgment fell. And these are types or pictures or, or symbols, although they were real people, of the judgment future that is coming upon the world that Christians will be rescued from before that occurs. Now, let me hasten to say that even though I believe the Bible teaches that the church, the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, will be raptured from this earth before the, the, the tribulation period, the period of God's judgment on a Christ-rejecting world, falls on the world, that does not mean that Christians who stand for Christ will not suffer persecution and have trouble or tribulation in this life because we stand for Christ. We certainly will, but we, I believe, the Bible teaches, will not go through the wrath of God in the tribulation. And Enoch here is an example of God being able to rescue people from that. And of course, obviously, so is Noah. And I think of Methuselah, Enoch's son, the person to live the longest in human history. No one has ever been recorded to live longer than Methuselah did. And those are real years because people lived much longer at the start than they do now. And the reason is, is God limited mankind's ability to keep living because we keep coming up with evil. So 
what were what we read here that Enoch said, let's go back to that. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, you know, if you ever if you ever just get frustrated and want to throw up your hands, hey, listen, keep contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints. We may not be able to clean all of this up, but we can stand our ground. Amen. But here's the good news. Here's hope for the weary. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all of, all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. All of these people who pervert the truth who live in in a Christ-dishonoring way and have only bad things to say about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, hey, guess what? Jesus is large and he's in charge and he's coming back. And he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. And he will ultimately and finally deal with the false teachers who lead people astray. And I'm excited about that. I I think as I look at the news that's going on now uh, in the last year or two, and especially right now, I'm recording this in January 2020. Right now, Russia and Persia, which is Iran, which is ancient Persia, are in Syria right above Israel, and if you know anything about Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, if you'll read those passages, you'll see that it's predicted that at some time in the future, Persia and Russia are going to invade Israel. And yet there will be a divine supernatural judgment on those armies that destroy five-sixths of that invading force. And it will be recognized that this was the hand of God. I do not know, no one knows where this fits in future Bible prophecy, whether it's before the rapture of the church or right after. We don't know, but we we do know that it, it is coming up. Now, those countries may not invade Israel for a long time. They may leave Syria and it may come back again, you know, at some point. The point I'm making is, though, when the Bible makes prophecies and predictions, they will be literally fulfilled. So just know that when we're promised here that the Lord is coming back with ten thousands of his saints, the Greek word there is myriads, and in the Greek language there wasn't the idea of like millions and billions. And so to describe a just vast number like that, the phrase ten thousands, like myriads, would be used. Just multiple, multiple thousands coming back. And uh, Jesus is coming back and he's finally going to deal with all of these bad fellas. So this was prophesied and just as the flood was prophesied and literally happened, I believe that Jesus Christ, who is, of course, resurrected 
in heaven, ascended and in heaven, that He will literally be returning and, and come back to take charge. Now, we don't have time today to get into all of the, the details of the rapture, the tribulation, the millennial kingdom, and all of that. But I just want you to know that Enoch's basically saying, hang in there, Jesus is going to take care of this. Now, we see more about the behavior and the beliefs of these people. These are murmurers, complainers. Oh, man, listen. <laughs> they, they are, false teachers especially, are not only ungodly. I mean, they're just never happy, and they're always complaining, and they will say anything. And it's just so much talking and yakking and false teaching that goes on out of their mouths. I like one thing, I like a lot of quotes of Charles Spurgeon, and I have a few today. Here's one, the great prince of pre preachers in England in the 1800s said this, beware of those who say there is no hell and declare new ways to heaven. He said, watch out for those people. And that's what these false teachers do. And we should continue to stand against them and stand for the faith, knowing that Jesus has our back. And eventually, at the right time, he's going to completely take care of all of that. Now, these false teachers are murmurers, complainers. They, they are uh, just constantly malcontents is what that idea of complainers is. And they just are all about words, 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 book, 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 talk, 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 shooting off their mouth. And it's really against the Lord and His Word and anybody who dares follow the Lord and His Word. Did you know that even today within church circles, those who, who believe in a literal return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church are mocked by those who claim to be teachers of the Word. This is going on now. And yet, you know what? I'm going to cast my lot with people like Enoch and uh, Methuselah and Noah and Jude because they took God at His Word literally and that's exactly how God fulfills Bible prophecy. There are just so many examples of that. So even though it's hard to stand for the truth and you will be made fun of, don't give it up. Stick to it. And one day you will be vindicated as one who believed in the truthfulness of God and His Word. Now these Bad fellas 2.0, it says walking after their own lust. They do whatever they desire to do, not what the Lord desires for them, what His Word says. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. I notice here that they are, they are very arrogant they are very much about flattering people to, to gain advantage for whatever it is that they want. They know how to turn a phrase, and a lot of times they're excellent speakers and excellent writers, very persuasive. And yet the Lord says, don't, don't 
be deceived by these people. So we see that that, that there are folks that you just you just have to be careful about because they're, it's like they're always working an angle. They're always trying to come up with something to, to gain an advantage over people. Paul wrote about these, and he says in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." Did you know that increasingly increasingly today, it is hard to go into churches and find the exposition of Scripture? They are filled with stories and uh, all kinds of, you know, book reviews and philosophies, but it's harder and harder to go into a church and hear somebody exegete Scripture like I'm exegeting it today. And yet people like me who exegete Scripture, who exposit it, who cut the word straight like Paul said to do in his writings, we are, we are discounted. We are set aside because we're not flashy enough and exciting enough and we're not hip and we're not with it. Well, I'll tell you one thing we are is we're standing for the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And it may get us into trouble, but hey, guess what? Jesus walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. If I go into the furnace, hey, who wants to go there, right? But if I go into the furnace, Jesus goes with me. If I go into the lion's den, Jesus was there before I got there. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about people of his day in the churches and Oh man, is this ever true today? Spurgeon said this, You know the sort of people alluded to here. Nothing ever satisfies them. They are discontented even with the gospel. The bread of heaven must be cut into three pieces and served on dainty napkins, or else they cannot eat it. And very soon their soul hates even this light bread. There is no way by which a Christian man can serve God so as to please them. They will pick holes in every preacher's coat. And if the great high priest himself were here, they would find fault with the color of the stones of his breastplate. <laughs> I like Spurgeon. Man, he, he would... He would just lay it out in his day. And like I say, if he was preaching today, I can only imagine what he would say today. Well, let's go back uh, to Jude here where we were. And let me see if I can find the right, uh, right passage here. All right, so we see here that, that even as far back as the fifth chapter of Genesis, Enoch, prophesy that ultimately God himself will deal with those who oppose him, and he will, and he will come, and he will do that. 
And then he describes how these people are. One thing I notice is how often the word ungodly is mentioned there. The, the one mark for sure of false teachers who often have false living is they are ungodly. And eventually that becomes clear. It may take time for that to be seen, but it eventually is, is obvious that they are ungodly. Well, Jesus is going to deal with them. No matter how persuasive their speech is, how much they deceive people into following the false and rejecting the true, Jesus is coming back and he can't be fooled. Verse 17, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the apostles were the hand-picked representatives, messengers of Jesus Christ. And Jude says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Now, let's look at this. One of the, one of the marks of these deep churchers, these false teachers that fill so many Bible colleges and seminaries, I'm not saying everyone in the world, but I'm just saying they are there. They, they fill so many religious institutions and ministries around the world. They infect so many denominations and churches. One thing about them is, is they're mockers, and they're mockers in the end of the age. They, they mock the idea that the Bible should be taken literally when, it's in, when it clearly is intending to be taken literally. For example, that Jesus Christ will return. Even when the Lord ascended there in the book of Acts, the angels that, that appeared there said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now that's meant to be taken literally, my friend, not spiritually. It's, of course, it's a spiritual truth, but it's not spiritualizing. They're not saying, well, you know, you will just have warm feelings about Jesus and think kind thoughts. No! I mean, yeah, we should, but no, that they're saying that Jesus is literally coming back to that Mount of Olives that, his, that he ascended from, and he's going to come in the same way, in clouds. And Enoch prophesied about that. We just read it. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And he's coming back to judge a Christ-rejecting world. So we should, we should recognize that false teachers 
are involved, obviously, in false beliefs and even falser, I don't even know if that's a word, just made it up, falser behavior, even more false behavior, but they're mockers. Even if they don't do it openly, in their heart, they don't really believe what they say they believe. You know, if they say they believe scriptural truth, not really, not if the truth were really known. Now, some of them, many of them are very bold and openly mock the truth of God's word, like the rapture of the church, like the return of Christ, like the literal resurrection one day. They mock all of that. So he says here that there should be mockers in the last time. This was prophesied who should walk after their own ungodly lust. I mean, they just follow and do whatever they want to do. Forget the word of God. Forget the spirit of God. Forget the lordship of Jesus Christ. They don't care about that. They, they follow their own desires. That's what they're all about themselves. And he says to close in verse 19, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. The word sensual there is the idea that they, they, are, they live in a tiny universe of their own five senses. What they can see, touch, feel, taste, smell, so on. It's, it's all very natural and physical. They may talk a good game about spiritual things, but that's really not what they believe. That's really not what's going on inside their heart and head. They are very natural, very sensual, very five sense, senses oriented. Why? Having not the Spirit. They do not have the Holy Spirit of God living within them. Do you know why? It's because they've never been born again. They are not actually, truly Christians. But, but, but they've got doctor after the name and teach in a seminary. They lead one of the largest churches here. They, they wrote this book there. Hey, listen to me. I'm going with what Jude and Enoch said. These be they who separate themselves, are always causing divisions, sensual. They're just natural five sense people, five senses people, having not the Spirit. Now, I want you to know this. The Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of of, of God, he's none of his. That is, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, you don't belong to God. You're natural. You're lost. And let's, let's put the false teachers aside for just a moment. You may be listening to this podcast and say, well, you know, this stuff about the false teachers you're saying, I feel like you're talking about me. Well, if, if you feel that way, maybe I am. You might not be the leader of a church or a religious institution or teach in a seminary or Bible college. And by the way, I'm not against that. I've got three earned degrees, including a doctorate. But I'm just saying there's our, our, our colleges and seminaries are going over the waterfall. And that's not real apparent to everybody yet, but it will be soon. Now, again, you might not be involved in some official position, but you're saying, yeah, when I go... 
When I go to church on Easter and they talk about the resurrection, I don't really believe Jesus rose from the dead, or I'm not sure about that. Or even if he did, I'm not sure we will. And this, believing the Bible and all that, is just a book written by men, right? I mean, yeah, it has some great truths in it. Hey, listen, if you've got these kind of crazy ideas floating around in your heart and your head, and you're calling yourself a Christian, stop. You should just not call yourself a Christian anymore because you are not. You are just like the false teachers. You you are sensual. You may be a great guy or great gal, but you live only by your five senses. There is no Holy Spirit living in you. God does not live in you. You have not been born from above a second time. You've not been born again. I don't care what your grandmama told you. If you reject the cardinal truths of the Word of God, you're perhaps not even sure Jesus is alive today. You don't, even if you think he is, you don't really think he's coming again. You never read the Bible, and if you do, you read it uh, criticizing it. I mean, listen, this is a lost person here. So, Pastor Ed, you're scaring me. If you're lost, I want you to be scared. Now, if you're saved and you have been deceived by false teachers, then the Spirit lives in you and He will be telling you that He agrees with me because I'm agreeing with Him. In other words, He's going to say, listen to Pastor Ed. He's going to show you the way out of the woods. The way out of the woods is if you're under the spell, so to speak, if you're under the leadership or influence of false teachers, you need to leave that church yesterday. You need to get out of that Bible college or seminary, that denomination, wherever you are. If you can't change it, and uh, I'm guessing probably you can't, you need to get out of that. You need to get where Jesus Christ is loved, worshiped, and adored. His Bible is known to be the Word of God. The Holy Spirit lives in those who lead that church and are members of that church. In other words, they're born again. They're winning people to the Lord. They're expecting the Lord to literally return to rapture the church. Now, I believe it's before the tribulation I do understand that people disagree about that, but true believers in Christ do not argue that the Lord is returning in the rapture of the church, even though they may see the timing somewhat differently. True believers in Christ never doubt the Word of God. True believers in Christ know that even if they die before the Lord returns, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They believe that if they might be in the generation the Lord is, is going to return in, that, that they will be raptured. They believe whenever they're raptured and die, they believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to establish his literal kingdom on planet earth just as he promised. Now, I'm aware of all the different theologies about all of this. I'm telling you what the Bible says. So, 
maybe you're listening to this podcast today and you're saying, I, I don't think I'm saved. You know what? If that's, if that's what is being impressed on you by this podcast, I think it's the Lord impressing on you that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today. Trust Him as your Savior and Lord. He will come to live in your life and you will have Him in your life as the Holy Spirit who will teach you the Word of God. Listen, if you need help in this area, you have questions about this, maybe you want to confirm where you stand with the Lord or you would like free literature about this, write this number down. I'm going to say it twice. 888-537-8720. One more time. 888-537-8720. Call that number during regular business hours uh, Eastern Time in the United States. If you live in Hong Kong, you may have to call it, I don't know, three in the morning or something, but call that number and someone will help you with information. It's all free and it will help you get your life lined up with Jesus Christ and begin to grow as a new Christian. Well, we finished these, these two episodes about bad fellas and next episode, we're going to go right to verse 20. And we may even finish, probably will finish this epistle of Jude uh, next week in our next episode. Well, again, I thank you for visiting our podcast today. If this is your first time, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and let others know how to find us. The easiest way is just type into their search bar www.dredhill.podbean.com That's D-R, no period after it, D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L.podbean.com Everyone can listen for free. They can subscribe for free. We can also be found on iHeartRadio Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, and who knows where else. But let others know that they can listen as well. Thanks again for listening. God bless you is my prayer. I will look forward to teaching again with you on our next podcast. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye.